COVID-19, we had to quickly adapt and learn how to live a new life, so to speak. And the same thing applies to motherhood. Mm -hmm. You're not prepared for that. Right. You're not prepared for motherhood, really. And then you're double not prepared for it in the era of COVID-19. So let's hear from some moms that can just give shed some light. Welcome to Unprovoked Tangents, the podcast. Where our topics have a focus, but but our our tangents tangents don't. Tune in weekly as we discuss life. Love, fashion, politics, and so much more. This is going to be a good one. I'm really excited. It's finally a calendar moment that um, we both probably share a lot of pride behind. And the pride in this one for me is the fact that we're going to be actually talking to some of our favorite people in the world who happen to be mothers. Uh, I invited three mothers on. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I invited two mothers on. One who basically, and the listeners will all hear how she has learned to become this role of a mother without having any children. So three of my favorite people I invited on, one of your favorite people in the world. So yes. this is excited, uh, leading into Mother's Day week with uh, having actual people on the show who bring value to the world and their families. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's, it's interesting because this is going to be the first Mother's Day that we are quote unquote celebrating or honoring in COVID-19, you know? So there's just so many different like unknowns. Like for instance, I went virtually shopping. I had a friend that owned a small business, a boutique that I used to go to quite frequently. And I was running out of things to get my, my mother, my grandmother. So I immediately called her up. We FaceTimed and we were just like getting all of these things wrapped up. And I'm like, great, how am I going to get it to them? This is the second coral, right? But I would do anything for my mom and my grandmother. I remember there was just such a great moment where this is the moment where I really thought like, yo, my mom's a superstar. She's like a G was like (laughs) this moment. Like, I always knew she was pretty tough, but this moment in my life, I was like, whoa, my mom got some brass balls. So, and it was super brass. So I remember I was in grade school. It was like fourth grade, fourth grade. And I went to a Catholic school. And typically what they do, which is so fucked up, is that they make the announcement in homeroom They say, oh, we do the Pledge of Allegiance, so on and so forth. And then once the Pledge of Allegiance is over, they actually provide a list of kids. They recite the kids' names that had unpaid tuition. What? Yes. Yes. Wait, on a daily basis? On like a monthly basis. Like, these are the people So that- On roll call, Pledge of Allegiance to the United States of America, and then, ding, 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 Jennifer Myers- (laughs) You owe, what? Yes, yes. So I, so my mom is very diligent. We have never missed a payment in our entire lives. Entire lives. That was a thing. I don't know. It was, it was I don't know. It was the night. You know, you know, sorry. <laughs> the fact that it's a Catholic school, right? And they're, they're. You're like dumbfounded for, by this. For, for public humiliation, right? Doesn't it take you back to the dark ages when they would flog people in public and like the Catholic church was like, putting people in so then they do this in school for children i'm like what is going on it's so crazy so go ahead so your mom is like fuck this well here's the thing right so no it goes so much deeper than that so they make the announcement in the morning and they're like okay well the following people please report into this room and basically you couldn't take class for the entire day so you were basically like exiled in this room where you couldn't take class 
So my mom picks me up. She picks me up from school and she's like, Jen, how was your day today in school? Natural question. I was like, oh, it was weird. I got taken to a room because you didn't pay tuition. And my mom flipped. Hell out. yeah. She Hell was yeah. like, what are you talking about? And she like searched the papers. She was like, here's the check. It proves they, they posted Like I didn't post date anything. They approved it and here it is. Like this is the check that they cash for this tuition. I'm going up to that school tomorrow. Amen. Tomorrow Amen. with your father. With the with pitchforks and the torches, do it. <laughs> so then I'm like, holy shit. This is the moment where I'm like, either I could be really proud of my mom or highly embarrassed because she's going to make like a fool out of me. No, that's your so, ride or die right there. She's going. She's like, she's going. She's going. She's like, Henry, grab my automatic weapon. <laughs> so she comes to my dad who was like silent the entire time. So like we, she drops me off in my class. She's like, I'll see you later. I'll see you when I pick you up. Right. And I'm like, oh no, I'm going to go to the principal's office. Sister Brown, I'm going to go see her. So they go into the office and now, mind you, I don't know what was said. And she's knocking on the window saying bye, kind of like I did this. Like she gives me a wink and a goodbye. And I'm like, what did my mom do? Right? <laughs> she burned the shit down. She's like, and you, and you, and you, you want to fuck with me? You want to fuck with my family? She's like, you done, you finito, right? So then, so this is the best part. So then the, the announcement comes on in, in the homeroom, right? Boom, boom, boom. Boom, 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 boom. So we do the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. We say a prayer, right? And immediately Sister Brown comes on like, boop. Um, I just want to publicly apologize to Jennifer Nicole Myers. I mistakenly said that you did not pay tuition, which indeed you did. We have cashed this check a month ago. This is my sincerest apologies to Jennifer Nicole Myers for removing her out of her class for a mistake on me. I apologize. I'm sorry. Now, mind you, I was like, half of me was like kind of embarrassed, but also half of me was like, yo, my mom's a G, yo. She, she made the principal give a public apology on a PA system in front of at least 250 kids because the school went from kindergarten all the way to eighth grade. There's so much wrong with that story. I, we can't even get into like, first of all, as a school. You're going to you, dig into this. Like you are, you are offended. I, I'm just like, I, I that's like a pay as you go philosophy. Like imagine that's like your cell phone getting cut off. You're going to pull the kid out of school so they can't get an education for the day because they have right. a parent. So what, who's, who's learning the lesson there? Is the parent being like, oh, I felt bad? No, the child is saying, all right, this is a pay-as-you-go system. You're, you care more about the dollars than our education. That's it's so correct. fucked up, but I don't want to get into it. Oh, my God. But you know what? In that, in that moment, though, my, I knew my mom was a G. Like, in that moment, like, she was a superstar to me. Like, she was a superstar with no cape because wow. that was, like, unheard of. She was like, I'm going to correct this today. And then, of course, my mom pulls up in our 1990 Honda Accord, you know, pulls <laughs> up with one hand on the steering wheel and was like, Tinted What's windows? Up? Not tinted windows, oh, okay. not, bro. So <laughs> he pulls up and she's like, says one thing to me, one line. Does Sister Brown apologize? <laughs> 
but that's what I was like, wow. Like that's when it was one of those moments where I was like, damn, like my mom is a superhero. Like I was incredibly proud of her. And I could only imagine like our listeners listening in, like they probably have those stories where they realize like, yo, my mom is a G in that moment. I would love to the listeners out there. And and this is something we'll put on social too. Tell us about a time where your mom was a G. Tell us about a time where your mom went out of the norm. You weren't expecting them to be gangster like that. And right. they were. Like for me, my mom, the closest scenario I have to that, and there's a lot, but um, when she was diagnosed with cancer, she just randomly come up to me and was like, can, can you get me weed? And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, first of all, I didn't, she didn't even know if I smoked weed or not, but, she, right. she, but I was that personality who I was rolling with the crowd <laughs> uh, but she she assumed I would get her weed. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get you weed, no problem. I don't even think a day or two went by. I was in her car. I was borrowing a car. And she there was fucking weed in the car. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> in her little Honda CRX, the hatchback. Oh, my God. Anyway, Those crazy. are classic moments. But you mentioned COVID earlier yeah. and how we're adapting. And, and it's interesting because I thought about this concept. If you think about the fact that we, we were all just thrust upon into the scenario of being working from home, being quarantined. It's been day 53 for me now of yeah. being uh, out of my office building and working from home. That's a lot. That's crazy. If you think about it, I'm almost two months of not being out. So we were all thrust upon this men, women, everybody on having to quickly adapt to be in a situation we weren't prepared for the day prior. Right. Mm-hmm. It's almost poetic that like with mothers in a sense, like with motherhood, you don't take a class to become a mom. You're just thrown into it and you have to learn from experience and then you're hoping that each day as you learn you can do it and each day would be better because you've learned the skills that you need to make your days successful so i think we should bring on our guests now and and kind of just start talking about that like let's talk about how they have adapted yeah how are they like weathering the storm of COVID 19 with being you know a parent and having to balance it all it's a balancing act and i think it's time for our listeners to get a little taste from our guests of what it's like being a mother, how, how they're looking at motherhood. And yeah, so with. Well, here's the thing. So, so the guests that we're bringing on to the listeners, um, from my side, the people I invited. So I have a mother of three, lives in New Jersey, husband's a firefighter, one of the bravest, one of the essential workers uh, during this time. And her name is Casey. So she'll be joining us. I also invited another mother who lives right now in Dallas, Texas, with two wonderful boys. She's a choreographer, a talent uh, manager, and her name is Corey. So she's going to be joining us too. And then finally, collab. I should collab with her because you know I used to be a dancer, right? You were, but you were dancing to LL Cool J. So. And then I moved on to Aaliyah, like, and then Sierra, and then J Lo. So you know, don't, don't, don't try to knock my hustle out here. And then the last person I'm, um, for the listeners that I'm bringing on, it's a unique twist. My friend Soraya, who is not a mother, but has become a mother to her mother, who is dealing with Alzheimer's in one of the most critical ways. So it's going to be interesting to hear from the three of them mm-hmm. and their experiences on what motherhood and how they've adapted their lives. And I'm bringing on my homegirl, Beck. Uh, she is the proud parent of two boys. Um, one is 18 months and one is approaching four in the fall or five rather four and you know she's just trying to do it all because all also with her perspective on COVID she recently took on owning two yoga studios and she immediately had to shut them down and adapt 
everything, her whole business model to being temporarily virtual. So how is she sort of dealing with that? And her and her wife are, you know, this dynamic duo that are just doing it all. So we don't want to keep our listeners waiting anymore. So here we, here go. we go. I'm excited as a co-host with Jen to uh, bring this episode of Mothers and picking some of my favorite mothers in the game or my favorite people who uh, have mothers and who are basically caretakers now in their own right and, and welcome you to this program. Cool. So yeah, just happy to have all of you guys on. Hey guys, I'm Soraya. I am currently living in Colombia. My mom has severe Alzheimer's. She is a three-year-old baby. So I change her diapers, I give her period foods. Um, I moved her here because healthcare was better and it was more affordable. I was her full-time caretaker and full-time model. No idea how I did that while I was in New York where I'm originally from. And then we came out here to say goodbye to her family. Long story short, we realized it was best for her to be back in her homeland. And the dollar here is insanely uh, powerful. So what we get as far as the caretaker there on the days that I would do my photo shoots, my castings or whatever I was busy with career-wise um, lasts me five days. So like one shift in New York is five days worth here. So we have a live-at-home live nurse and obviously because of the quarantine, she can't go in and out. She's staying with us. Like usually she has her four or five days off, but that's not the case right now. We can't do that. So she had to make the decision whether she was staying with us or going back to her family. And since she's with us five days of the week anyways, then it only made sense for her to stay since my mom is also very fragile and delicate. Um, so besides that, I'm a model, on-camera host, actress. Uh, I live between New York and Columbia. My life and my, I guess, resume is in the States, and I'm kind of just setting new roots here in Columbia. I'll go. I'm back. I own two yoga studios on Long Island, and I'm also the primary caregiver for my two kids, um, Fenno, who's four, and Wilder, who's 18 months. And I recently bought um, the two yoga studios I own from the previous owner. I've been a yoga teacher for 11 years, and I um, was always working for someone else. And eventually I was like, I I have a vision and I really want to create it. So I took a big financial risk in um, December and uh, that's taken a real interesting turn. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> awesome. Lovely to have you both. Casey. Okay. I am Casey. I'm 36. My husband and I have three children. We have Ryan. He's five. We have Cy. He's three. And we have Delaney. She is a little over a year. We live in Monmouth County, New Jersey. I met Danny years ago when we both worked together at Adidas. My husband is a Jersey City fireman. So we did live in Jersey City until about four years ago when we moved down to uh, a Jersey Shore town in New Jersey. Um, he is still out of the house every 72 hours during this pandemic as he's an essential worker. And I am the primary caregiver at home and I'm you know, running the ship and keeping everybody on board. Cool. I'm Corey. Uh, I'm from Dallas, Texas. Uh, I met Danny and Soraya at Adidas when I lived in New York. Um, I am a work from home mom. I am a talent manager for a production company and a professional choreographer. We have two kids. We have a four year old named Jaden and a seven month old named Jacoby. 
and I'm exhausted. <laughs> oh my God. Great, great, great. So I am a parent. I have a 17 year old nightmare, definitely a handful. And yeah, I know at age 22, I know it's crazy, but um, <laughs> you go back in time. Geez. I know every episode I get younger and he's been living with me full time since December 9th. Um, so I am the primary caregiver. He is officially with me. So it's been a lot of fun, this quarantine. And that's it. Get a little taste of what our guests are experiencing, right? Yep. <laughs> it ain't easy, homie. I still so, have I my hair, that. so I haven't lost it yet from, from the stress, but it's going. It's going. I've got a big old gray streak, yeah. just this quarantine, big old gray streak. <laughs> Speaking of quarantine and jumping right in, how have you all adjusted with the normal duties that have were your life prior and then have become your life now as moms or caregivers? So I feel like the blessing of all this with younger children is the fantasy. They have no idea what the reality of this is, that we've basically told them that a lot of people are getting sick. The only thing I can say to them that without being like jarring is it's along the lines of the flu, which they get, I think, because of just normal conversation. Like when people are very sick, oh, it could be the flu. Like that's fearful in itself, I guess, for them, that they're not in like full-blown kindergarten with like a full academic structure. My son's pre-K program is still very much based on play. So he's like riding through this, like we do a letter of the day that his teacher supplies us with. We do a craft, an activity some days, and some days we don't do anything. So I think like those parents that have a, my cousin, she's like not an academic. She barely finished high school. She's teaching her third grader some crazy math and she's ready to pull her hair off. Like that is a blessing in my eyes that I'm not back, you know, routing through a textbook or online trying to help teach somebody because I give so much credit to teachers. I never wanted to be one. And if I had to step back into that role on top of everything else, I think I would not be as thrilled. But let me, let me uh, challenge you a little bit more, Casey. Yeah. And I love how you, went into mom mode and told us how it was affecting your children. But so as a parent, as a mom, specifically for you, what has changed with you and, and you're always on mode. And I know that you, you said your kids are not all in, are not in school yet. So you don't have to worry about yeah. that. But for me, I'm literally locked in a prison with my son, hypothetically, you know, where there, I, I couldn't go to work to escape. You know, you don't have those moments where you could even leave for two or three hours or he's in school for six hours and you have moments to yourself. So you, you're, they're always on, you're always on yeah. and you're literally locked in. So for you, have you created times where you've made Casey times or me times or? So I, I think, and you can all speak to this. And I mean, even you know this, your schedule, like you just said, you left and go to work. Keeping everybody on a schedule has been the only same portion of our day. We all get up still around the same time. Yes, there are days that maybe somebody sleeps in a little bit later, but like they're still little. They're up at 6.30 or 7. We eat lunch still around the same time. The baby takes a nap at the same time. So that is the boy's time when they rest. We just have continued to like be, I'm a schedule person. So I think that that I know works for me. So when my daughter takes her afternoon nap, I make my boys like chill, whether it's they like to bead, they like to color or even watch a show or whatever. I ride my Peloton bike and get my half hour. In. Like I just keep a schedule. And I think that's the most important for my me time. And everybody still goes to bed by seven, seven thirty. So when they go to bed, 
I have my time to do what I need to do, spend time with my husband. But I guess keeping a schedule has given me my me time as a mom in general, and even more so and more important during the past eight weeks and counting. (laughs) I mean, I think that like, interestingly, it, I think for my kids, it really hasn't been that much of a transition. Like things have been fairly even for them. Like I, I know that Fenno is like aware that something's going on. Like we talked to him about germs and when we're out, if you see a person, you come into the bubble. So he knows all that stuff. And we also live across the street from my parents. So we can't see them because my mom has MS and she's immunocompromised. So they see them. So they know something's going on because they can't go over there. But other than that, like things have been pretty okay for them. They're with both of us. And, you know, um, when the baby was born, my wife and I were both home full time with them for like four months. So for my older son, he's like, oh, whatever. Like we're back all together and it's fine for him, although he misses his friends. But for me, it's been like a huge transition not because I'm home with the kids more, but because I literally had to take a business that was almost 100% in person. Literally overnight, I worked until two in the morning to a completely online business. And like doing that, like going from working like, okay, I have three hours of work now and now I'm going home and taking care of the kids or like whatever, going from that to working from like 7 a.m., to like 11 p.m. every single day for like four weeks straight was super rough. (laughs) Not awesome. And my wife is also, for the first like three weeks that she was home, she was like just home. And then after a couple of weeks, they were like, well, actually we want you guys to start like working from home. So now it's two of us working from home plus the kids. And that's been, can I say it's a shit show? Can I say shit? It's a shit show. <laughs> it's a shit show. This, this is not PG-13. This is NC-17. Right. We it's a shit show. We, we yes. definitely had a, a sex we, episode, which would have crossed those lines a long time I, I listened to it. We, we crossed those lines like third weekend, right? Like we were just like, let's just go for it, you know? Yeah. Let's just talk about it. But yeah, I mean, but to your point, like it's an organized shit show, right? Because you're just like, you guys are being so nimble. I think as a caregiver, as a mother, it's just like, you don't know what shit is going to be thrown at you every single day, right? And it's this balancing act of like, all right, I got to take care of my kids, but also I don't want to subject myself to being completely depleted. And, you know, I also got to run a business. You, we, we, you guys wear so many different hats, so yeah. many different hats, and it's a balancing scale. And there's days where I, I can only imagine where it's like, all right, well, I was a good businesswoman this day, but I didn't do so well in the momhood or I flip it. I was really good today in the mom brand, but as a professional, not so great, you know? So even having that humility and, and just having that understanding for yourself and compassion, just be like, you know what? This is like just a C plus day. And I'm totally fucking cool with that. I definitely think it feels like inherently that trade-off that you just said, Jen, it's like inherently a trade-off because normally if I'm at work, I'm not in the house. So now my kids literally see why are you on the computer? When are you going to get off the computer? Come play with us. They'll probably run through here any moment. And so it's like, if I give another hour to this work, I feel like I'm literally taking an hour away from them or I have to take it away from my wife. It's just like, it feels like you have less currency of time. Yeah, for sure. So Corey, how have you managed your currency of time? Uh, And how has that balanced between you and your spouse? 
uh, have you have each one of you shared the responsibility? Has it shifted? And what is a quarantine and COVID? Uh, how has that affected your dynamic in your household? Yeah, so I think that um, already, like for years, I've been working from home. Um, and because I manage talent, a lot of it is live talent. So right now, that's kind of like, it's changed. Um, and it's kind of, it's decreased in certain ways, but then gotten harder in other ways. And so I still find myself kind of working the same amount. Um, but keeping a schedule, like Casey said, is like extremely important. Obviously, now you have to be like, so much more present because you want to, you want to make sure that every day has value. And even if you fuck up, like every day has value for you um, as a business person, but also value for your kids because they're home and they're not, you know, a preschool teacher's responsibility anymore. Um, and so keeping a schedule is super important. Uh, my husband still works, like he has like an in-home office. And so he tries to work during the day. I like hold it down and I call it like tagging, like he tags me out. So like at a certain time each day, like when he's done working, he'll tag me out so that I can like be away from the madness. I exclusively breastfeed our seven month old and that's like seven times a day. So uh, between that and then keeping our four-year-old on a schedule, I'm fucking tired. <laughs> so trying to, trying to figure out that balance has been pretty good. But that me time is so crucial because you'll fucking go crazy if you don't have it. Even if it's just like, hey, I'm going to take a shower by myself. Because <laughs> we all know that it sometimes is not by yourself. <laughs> uh, my husband and I had a date night last night. I think that it <laughs> really took me off guard because I thought we were just going to like watch a movie and go to sleep. But he like, he had like shots of vodka <laughs> and like oh. tank, tank was on. That means it's, it's going down. <laughs> Rose petals. Like for me, I'm so tired by the end of the day that if he didn't make that initiative, I, I mean, I would have been asleep in like 10 minutes. <laughs> so I think it's, it's definitely nice to have somebody like kind of reminding you like, it's, it's time for us. It's like, we're still important, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's exhausting. I mean, anyways, I know that at the end of the day, like I'm blessed, like we're all together and everybody is safe and we're not sick. And so I really, at the end of the day, I try and remember all of those positive things that like, no matter how much you fucked up that day, like, okay, we're still together and we're still okay. And everybody's safe. Cool. And Soraya calling in from Columbia. I don't know, is it better, worse? I mean, New York were kind of the worst, but you know, how are you sort of handling this climate right now being the main caregiver it's interesting. I mean, I, I have, I, I moved at the right time. I, if my mom would have been there, she'd be dead right now. There's no doubt about it because I buy the groceries. I go to the doctor's appointments. I run all the errands. I'm juggling my father who's also semi losing his memory. Um, so my life in New York is intense and insane. And since I moved here, I mean, it's gotten, it's been just as tough. I used to live in LA and fly between LA and New York. So now instead of going from coast to coast, I go from continent to continent, same amount of hours. So to me, it's like, oh, it's just six hours down and up now instead of side to side. Um, but it's, things have shifted so much for me because 
So when we buy groceries, I, I, everything here is delivery, which is great. It's always been like that in Colombia. Um, you can get anything delivered, right? However, I'm the one being exposed to the groceries and handling everything. I'm also making all the phone calls. I'm also rushing to look for oxygen tanks because my mom got bronchitis. Like as soon as I landed from New York, she had bronchitis. So then it's, she's very susceptible to respiratory problems, which can then lead to death if exposed to the virus. So it's been every single day, one of the mothers said, uh, it's just, you never know what you're getting. Yeah. So it's literally the same thing with me. Like just recently I texted Danny a picture. I had a little incident with my mom this morning and I was like, oh my God, I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible caregiver. But I was like juggling the nurse's food because it's her day off and I don't want her doing anything because, you know, the least I could do is tend to her and then taking care of my mom, my breakfast, and then something happened to my mom. And I was like, oh no. And it just sucks because I can't, if anything does happen to her while we're at home, I have to take her outside. You know, before it wasn't like that. I wasn't like, oh my God, we're going outside. You know, it was like, yeah, we'll go to the ER. There was no thought process about it. It's instant. It's a reflex. You know, your kids don't feel well. You have a fever. It goes for anyone, right? You go to the ER. Now it's like every day I'm like, okay, she's okay. No cough. Okay, cool. A few days ago, she wasn't feeling well. We just have to wait and see because she can't tell you what it is. She doesn't know what's going on. She's completely just unaware, you know? She's not cognitive. She's not coherent. So it's a guessing game and it's just really scary. So when I first traveled here, COVID had already hit New York. And honestly, I flew in. I actually had a layover in Fort Lauderdale, six hours. It was like after 1230 AM. And I was like, I can sleep at the airport, which is cost effective, you know, just makes sense. But there's a virus. <laughs> I have to get a hotel so I don't expose myself to the potential virus that's in the airport because then my mom will get sick. You know, it's like so many factors now that you just didn't have to think about before, you know? And I'm home and every day I'm like, please, please, please don't have any symptoms. She has bronchitis at this point. Please don't have any symptoms. Please let me not be asymptomatic. You know, it's, it's scary. It's so scary. A little cough, a little something. And and worry that just waves over you like um, yes because you don't know the usual protocol for like the fever because the baby can't tell you right it's all the guessing yeah. so it's the same exact thing except she's life-size i yeah. mean like grown up i should have been life-size like grown up size i don't know what to call that but i'm sure you i mean i think that this goes to the point of of why we wanted this to be about motherhood, right? Not just about moms, because what is motherhood? It's actually showing a certain type of caregiving to somebody that you have to take care of on a, on a regular basis. I think you're in a unique situation. The reason I wanted you, Soraya, on this call was because I, you know, just from watching your stories and talking to you, um, watching your journey, a lot of people, especially I think Casey, as well as uh, Beck mentioned, being able to balance it with the spouse. And then Corey said that whole time, the tag team thing, you don't have that. Um, and it's kind of like you're in a situation where you're a single parent. And I think it's really important that that you shared this because being a parent or parenting or, or being a caregiver is really just, it's not a, a box that we could put anybody in anymore, right? So whether you're in a same sex relationship, two men, there's still motherhood uh, going on or mothering going on. Uh, it's a quality. It's not so much uh, a gender role, right? There's nothing taken away from what you're doing as well as Casey or Corey or Beck. So I definitely think that you're in a challenging situation doing it on your own in a country where 
you literally have to flip, flip a coin every day to know what your next day is going to be. So, and then on top of it, you can compound it. Right. So we all have kids on the other side, except for Jen, uh, who have mentioned, like, I think Casey, you said you're, you know, they get a certain understanding of what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, cause they're at an age, you're in a situation where your mom will never have that understanding and she's not going to three months from now have a more of an understanding a year from now have more of an understanding as opposed to having a five-year-old who becomes a six-year-old who becomes a seven-year-old you, there's that light at the end of the tunnel, right? There's that, Oh, wait, one day I'm going to be off of breastfeeding. Right. So there's that one, so you don't, you don't have that. No. Uh, you, you, you have a, re, a regressive uh, situation. So yeah, thank you so thank much you. for taking the time. So of course. And I also wanted to add like, until I became my mom's caretaker, especially full time, I didn't understand motherhood. And now it's like, I'm, I commend mothers. I, I feel like crying um, so much. You guys are superheroes. And so are dads who are single dads or just dads that raise their children. The role of a parent is so important. You know, your child is becoming a mirror image of you and it's bouncing back of what you give them, the love, the attention, the inspiration, motivation. And until you're in that position, you know, I, I look at my mom, she's my baby, and I'm just like enamored. I'm, I feel humbled and privileged and I'm grateful. And, I'm, and all I think is, God, I want to do so much more for you because you gave me the world and more, you know? So like moving to another continent to me is not enough. And people are like, whoa. And I'm just like, it's not enough because a mom, to me, it was my mom. You know, like my dad's, he's there, he's, he exists. They're still together, but a mom, like you birthed us. Sorry, Danny. <laughs> but, you know, we were all birthed by a mom and we have that, link nine months umbilical cord that's you know when something happened earlier today i felt it i felt it i was in the kitchen i said i should check on her before she falls and as i got to the room slow motion she was falling off the bed and i caught her as best as i could you know and it's a mother thing (laughs) i don't i don't want to like take that away from you guys that have birth but i feel like that's like a intuition i don't but I don't think it has to do with birth as much as it has to do with if you take care, if you take care of anything that is totally vulnerable, if you take care of any living thing that is so dependent on you for its needs, you have a, a bond, a connection with that person, no matter what age that's, that's what you're experiencing is yep. that like sure. you to have someone solely dependent on you for life is such a, a humbling responsibility and such a, it's a beautiful experience. It's also a, um, a trying experience. It's also an exhausting experience because I mean, I'm also still breastfeeding and it's like you, I, I literally can't go even when this wasn't going on. I literally can't go a certain distance away from a, this person we can't be separate, you know, it's like you experience that anytime you're caring for someone who's, who is so, um, like helpless and in a way, you know, it's, it's a profound connection. And that's a perfect segue back. Cause I think, you know, you guys did such a beautiful job in explaining, you know, the climate of COVID-19 and being a mother and, and having to step up to a whole new platform of unfamiliarity while also trying to keep everyone sane um, and I love the fact that you guys mentioned such great words, like it's a humbling experience. It's, it's an honor. So what are other sort of ways that you guys take pride in being a caregiver or a mother? When I look and see my three kids, 
playing well, or maybe even not playing well, but just getting along and sh like showing their individual personalities. That's when I feel that I've done well, I guess, pat myself on the back as a mom. If they're not growing up like in the same, in the same mold as you want to say, like I see traits from my husband, even traits from my dad or my father-in-law shining through on one or the other. They're different personalities the way they <laughs> with each other. That's when I think I've done well. It's not the best to say when others comment, but I've had moms say to me in the past, like, oh, my son really, you know, loves to play with you or Ryan. He's such a nice boy. He always wants to include, you know, when other parents chime in, it's nice to hear that. I guess it's like everything in life, comforting to hear from others from that outside perspective. But from my internal perspective, I like seeing them growing as little personalities to say like, oh, you know, I didn't teach him that. He learned that himself or he picked that up. Well, it's funny you just said about, I didn't teach him that. Yeah. Oftentimes we, don't we negate ourselves on what they learned from osmosis, right? Like Soraya was, you were saying so much about not having kids and this and that and, and, and having that connection, but, and never knowing what, how much a mother actually does because you're not one, but you learned all of what you're doing through osmosis, through what your mother did for you and being in those environments. So um, you use the term like mirror reflection. Um, I mean, how could you have acted or learned or been this person if you didn't learn it from somewhere, right? So uh, I think you're giving your mom back what she gave you tenfold. Yeah, for sure. Corey, add on to that. I definitely agree with, with, with what she was saying. Uh, I think what we hear from like their teachers and how they act when we're not around is like a really big truth teller about who they are and how you or how we as mothers have molded them. Um, like I'll never forget it was the, the preschool we were just at and um, it was like um, a really nice, uh, comment that the teacher had made about my four-year-old Jaden, he was so empathetic. And that's like a huge value that um, is, that means a lot to me because I always, I'm very big into like, the world doesn't revolve around just us. Like everybody is so interconnected. And especially it's been like really nice for him to like learn more about that because of like the whole pandemic like we are all so interconnected we depend on each other for so much more than you really think and um so when she was telling me this story about i mean it was i mean kind of silly but just about how his friend had something taken away from him kind of by like a bully figure or something like that and Jaden felt so uh, moved by this, that his friend like was in, I mean, was in turmoil. And because of this whole thing that happened, maybe, I think it was like a hula hoop got taken away from him by this kid, right? And Jaden was like so moved, he was like in tears and he told the teacher and he was like, he felt so um, responsible that he should help him like get this back. And like he was crying. And the teacher like, you know, solved the issue, like, okay, let's give the hula hoop back or whatever. But he felt like so proud that he was able to help someone. And so like the teacher was like, you know, uh, it's, it's like silly or whatever that um, it was such a big deal, but it really showed his, his like nature of an empath. And to me, I was just like, man, 
I mean, we go through our stuff every day. Like we have meltdowns, like they're the ones that test us the most. But I think that, um, him being able to show that personality trait, like when we're not around, that really shows who they are and like how they've learned from you. And so uh, I think those moments like really make us proud because like we're not coaching them to do that in the moment. We're not yelling at them like, oh, you need to do this. Like it's just something that they naturally did that they felt really strongly about. And so that's, that's kind of my take on, on being proud is like what they do when we're not looking. I, that's, I mean, so it's funny. We just had an episode on loyalty um, and friendship. And one of the quotes that I was reading during preparing for that episode was about loyalty. And I'm not going to remember it exactly, but loyalty and friends is how they act when you're not around or behind your back, right? So the same thing goes with our children. And I think Casey said it, you've said it. Um, it's, it's, and you even mentioned empathy. And I remember those moments with my son as well. It's like, you can teach your child sympathy, right? You can have those conversations on how to be sympathetic, but you can't teach empathy. It's something they have to learn by watching you or have it in them or learn organically. And I think that's, it's definitely a testament on you and your parenting and your, and your husband's that your child has empathy because that's something that even adults don't have. Um, so that's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm so proud. It's so hard to talk about your kids without crying, by the way. Like literally, I don't know if like y'all other uh, parents do this, but literally like you're like, can't wait for for you guys to go to sleep. Can't wait for you guys to go to sleep. And then they go to sleep and you're like, let me look at some videos of you. (laughs) Just, you know, like, let me look at old pictures of you and, and, and we, um, but sneak into that room and still give them a kiss. Oh yeah. You know, oh. I still do that to my son. He's 17. He doesn't know, but I still go into his room and he's at night. I like brush his hair and I give him a kiss and I walk out. And if he knew, he'd be embarrassed, but. He knows now. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like, you know, I'm, I'm always proud to be a parent, to be a mom. I take, I take that role very, very seriously. I, I feel that you know, I have like a bit of a different opinion on it or a, a different view on it because it was really my wife who wanted to have kids when we did. Um, and she went first, she carried Fenno and I carried our second Wilder. So it was a really interesting experience for me being on that side of it while she was carrying her first kid. And that was like her, she was like, I really want to be a mom. I like, I want to have kids. And I was like, okay. And so we, we were, you know, having this baby and I felt like, I felt like his like little soul was out there. His little soul was like waiting to find us because it's a different path to becoming a parent when um, when you're a queer couple. And so like the moment like she got pregnant and I felt like his little soul had found us, I was like, okay, this is a big responsibility to be in charge of this little soul that's found its way to us. And I have to do literally everything in my power to make myself worthy of this of this blessing and this opportunity. And so I'm proud every single day to, to be a mom um, and of my kids, even when I'm not super proud of myself sometimes, (laughs) but I'm so, I'm so proud of them. Um, I'm a big old loser about it. I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud to be a mom. I'm so proud of them. Yesterday uh, we went to the beach and there was like, we were like digging in the sand and there was like a little shell and I go, look, Fenno, it's like a little snail. And he goes, <gasps> and he was like, when he's like, he's carrying his hands, he comes out to the car and we're saying, he's like, close the window. So my snail does not blow away my snail friend. 
and he brought the snail home and he goes, may I give the snail a bath? He needs a bath. He needs to be in water. And we were like, I don't think you need to go in the bath, bud. And he was like, okay, we'll make a home for him. And he like went out and he got like little rocks and put it in like a cup and added water and like put the little snail. And I don't have the heart to tell him it's just an empty shell. <laughs> so the little snail's living on our table, but it's not really a snail. It's just an empty shell. Oh my God. You, it, it's like the magic that if we it's can the- only see the world through their eyes, right? So yeah. I, like when, I don't know if you've ever taken your kids to Disney World, have done that or been to Disney World yourself, but I took my son, he was two and a half, not even three his first time. And everybody was like, don't, he's so young, he's not going to remember it. And I'm like, so what? I don't remember my own vacations. He's still at that impressionable point where everything's magic to him, right? And Mm -hmm. we went like six times since, but you guys as parents are at that magical moment having um, those children who look at you like you're their Disney world. Um, And it's insane because you learned it from somewhere, right? Hopefully. And then whether you had moms who showed you that sense of motherhood uh, organically osmosis or through lessons, but can you tell us about how maybe your evolution into motherhood has changed your view of your mom, your view of motherhood, what you expected before you were uh, on month two of pregnancy versus where you are right now? I think gratitude is just a huge feeling because you... <laughs> remember how much of a badass kid you were and you're just like wow I cannot believe you put up with that shit first of all (laughs) it's like every year you have a child you realize like how much you've accomplished um and now looking back it's like wow like I cannot believe you raised both my brother and I and we turned out to be like pretty decent people I guess (laughs) and like you did that like I am so grateful that you stepped up and like you I mean you really sacrifice so much as a parent for these tiny humans that will like take for granted a lot of things and take advantage of you I mean my mom and I are best friends and that's mainly because I am just like so gracious like let me bow to your feet real quick (laughs) my mom used to warn me I think I was 16 or 17 and she's like you wait you're gonna have your child worse than you and I'm like at 17 I'm like yeah okay mom whatever why am I I'm not even dating my kids and she passed away my mom and she definitely while she was up there before my son was born sprinkled some of my Danny sauce into that because he is 10 times worse than me so let's it worked, mom. Thank you very much. Yeah. So. Even my mom is saying that now. She's like, just you wait. That that break of like that 12 to 17 age, you were a terror on the high seas. I cannot wait. And my mom used to and I used to have arguments where I'm like, I would never be like you as a mother. You're not enough. And I'm like, now I'm looking at him like, yeah, I'm totally going to be my mom. Sure, buddy. So uh, Casey or Beck, can, uh, can you tell us how your relationship with your mom has changed with you having children? I don't know if it necessarily changed. I guess it would, to the point of it grew. She was always like a best friend of mine. Um, I just looked at her as like my role model as to what I wanted to be as a mom, oh, you know, to my children over the years. I 110% could not have done it without her. It's, it's wonderful to have a partner, husband, wife, what, in whatever capacity to lean on, but to have somebody that's gone through it like to ask these questions as a woman, just to try to get like a slight understanding because truly no one can actually prepare you until you're there in the moment and going through it. Questions about 
giving birth, breastfeeding, milestones, um, uncertainties on like, are they sick? Whatever it is, I just felt like my mom was always there, whether or not she had an answer to support me and let me get some sort of confidence from her, says know that I was doing a good job, whether I felt like I was just flailing. But I think her support and love was probably the thing that led me to thrive as a mom. And with each child, I felt like I got a little bit more confidence. But even with my third, asking her a question, she just never seemed frazzled. It was always just a, well, it could be this, but you'll know. And even if I didn't, it just was that reassurance from her that kind of gave me the lift to be a good mom in my eyes, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I, would, I would say, I mean, I'm like a little bit of a different answer, um, which is I'm, I'm, of course, like super grateful to my mom, but my mom and I had a very difficult like relationship. Um, especially when I was older, I think that that has influenced who I've become as a mom, which I think so many of us are either reacting to or becoming our parents in so many different ways. And mine's more of like a reacting to, you know, how I want to be as a parent and who I want to be as a parent. And, but it also has, it also has grounded our relationship in a major way because one of the things that happened when we were having my our first son is I was like our relationship is gonna have to change because you're gonna be in this child's life like we have to have a relationship because I I never want my child to see me being in relationship with someone in a way that's negative or detrimental so that's influenced my relationship with her a lot is coming to that understanding and then also who I am as a parent I guess so, Danny, I actually wanted, well, everyone here, I wanted to share something. When you guys were talking about your most proud moments, I'm on the other side of the spectrum because I'm the child. But what's interesting is that when I was in high school and bring, growing up, um, my mom was so caring, so detail-oriented, so loving, so giving, so thoughtful, so everything. Like, too careful as well. Like, she was very worried about things. And funny enough, by the time I reached high school, I was a mother of my friends. I was the last one to try alcohol and do anything and go clubbing. I was the one telling my friends, be careful with your drink. Be careful when you set it down. Be careful who you're talking to. So much that my girlfriends in high school, my best friends were like, stop being a mom. Fast forward, because, you know, the universe is so awesome. I was getting hints already telling me, you're going to have something fall on your lap in the future. And you're going to know what to do with it, you know, the situation. And funny enough, I am the mirror of what everything that you guys are talking about. Like, I'm super empathetic. I'm very sensitive. I'm extremely detail-oriented. So when we did, like, take some trips out, when she was able to go outside, this was pre-quarantine. Like, she hasn't gone out in a while. Um, but I would pack many diapers and the diaper rash cream and the wipes. So like, it's literally just like you guys. And I'm like, okay, let me get some snacks. Let me curate some lunch because we might be at the doctor's for too long. Let me get her meal and her shake also ready. But let me get the, um, what do you call those? Like the thermal bags or like the little, you know, to keep the temperature right. And then like extra spoons, napkins, and like, oh, let me get extra pants and if she goes pee pee through her diaper. You know, like literally just like you guys. <laughs> so all of this happened because my mom was that extra super caring thinking of everything mom and I'm I'm so grateful because all my friends have told me this whole journey of mine like how do you do it and I'm like you just do it there is no like 
thinking about it. And I know that goes the same with your parents, uh, with your children, because I'm telling you this, sometimes when I'm feeding her and since she has trouble uh, swallowing now, she'll throw her food at my face. And I kid you not, had it been any other human in the world, my hair would get bigger and I'd have fumes coming out of every orifice. But because it's my mom, I, it literally doesn't phase me. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, your children can pee on you and it's oh, great. You're yeah, she's her diaper yeah. on her yeah. And I'm like, I got pee. No big deal. Like it's, it becomes so second nature. So it's just um, interesting and funny, you know, hearing you guys say this and I'm like, damn, this is crazy. Like my whole life, I was too careful. And now I have a reason to be too careful. Yeah. And I think to that point too, I think it's part like, yeah, like it's the mothers and you're looking at them as like what to do and what not to do and how do you kind of shape your children. But also that comes instinctual, right? I think a lot of people say like when I was, you know, this is just something that I just knew. I knew how to like catch my mom when she was falling. I knew my kids were going into a jar that I told them not to go into for the 12th time in a row. Like I just know it's like this instinct that can't, it's almost indescribable. I agree. You know, we learn the lessons from our parents that make us parents or being or ready to be a parent. And that's to your point, Soraya, as well. I think parents don't realize, moms and dads, is that our children are getting parenting on the job training from the moment they're born, whether we want them or not. It's from the way we interact with our spouses. Uh, it's from the way um, we interact with them. It's where we interact with strangers in the stores, everything we're doing. And they know this, you know, this, there's metaphors for that. Kids soak things up like a sponge, right? Uh, but there's also the situations that we don't realize that every single thing is on the job training. But the, the challenge is, is that you think you can raise each kid the same. And the reason that you can't is because not only are they, your firstborn sees the interaction between you and your spouse, right? The others now see their interaction between you and the other children. I think you can't even think about like, you know, my kids are still younger. And so like, I still have plenty to learn. I'm in the amateur phase of parenthood. <laughs> but, you know, I think that like, you can't even think about like, you, you just have to be the absolute best version of yourself you know you just have to be always working on yourself and always just showing up every single day that that's the thing about parenthood that i think is really tough you know especially now is like you have to show up every single day it's not like you'd be like you know what can't call in sick i'm feeling kind of meh, i'm not gonna you know not today you i will forever to- love that commercial i think it's a vix yeah. commercial, and it's like i'm gonna call in sick today and it's the, yes. baby in the playpen looking at the mom like yeah that's not gonna happen Yes. But like, you just like, that's all you, that's literally all you can do. Like I, like every single day of parenting is just like, okay, like I have to show up again today as my absolute best version of myself, whatever that looks like that day. And like, you just do that consistently just like every day. You know, Beck, you actually brought up something again that makes me think of, it was the last question that we were talking about and you were talking about these fundamentals that we learn um, and, essentially they build our morals right and our moral compass um but at the end of the day as parents we're hoping that we right instill some of these um magical concoction formulas into our children and they'll take those lessons away so what are some of the uh, morals or values that you may realize that you have in yourself that you're hoping they will have because you know after certain points it's just the cross your fingers and pray uh, philosophy with parenting, right? So what are those, some of the morals that you feel like you hope your kids take forward? Number one was obviously empathy, as I touched on before, but another one is, um, well, actually two, 
is leading with love and always using communication to understand like why things are happening and like for example if if i'm yelling at him not to do something then it's like okay after he gets upset about it or whatever it may be it's like let's have a talk about why we can't do that or why it's not good to do that why it's not good to jump off of the um the countertop onto like doing living room olympics let's talk about why that's not okay right because we do that a lot so and then we we communicate about okay this could potentially be of harm to you first of all you would have to go to the hospital and get we call shots like a sticky poke you have to get a sticky poke and we don't like sticky pokes so um these are all of the things that would you know, be the result of an action that you're not even thinking of, right? So it's like, not just I'm yelling at you because I'm mad. It's uh, I'm yelling at you and we're understanding why, the root cause of why I'm yelling at you. But at the end of the day, it's really because I love you, right? So, and everything kind of like stems back to love. <laughs> so, but I mean, it always works out in my case, I don't know why. Like at the end, he's like, I love you too. And I'm like, I'm glad this all worked out. I'm glad that we could have a talk about this and you understand. Um, but yeah. Sorry, I'm just laughing so hard because I picture all those times that I got punished because my parents loved me, you know? <laughs> exactly. I love what you said, Corey, because I think like growing up, like my father, my mom was a very strong communicator, but my dad was like, because I told you so. And that was like the end of story. And you took that, you took that line as Bible and you didn't question it. So for me, even like when he was growing up and he was kind of raising me to be like this tough cookie, I was like, dad, because I told you so, this is not enough. And then I gave, became a little bit rebellious and I was, I challenged him when I got older and I was like, communicate to me why you're telling me this is wrong. And I think that's such a great thing that you're instilling now in your kids. It's like, I'm going to tell you no, but let me tell you the why behind the no. And I think that helps to then further cement that understanding in your kid's mind. That way when they're out and they can make those discernment decisions without you, be like, okay, I understand why this is bad. So I think that's a great point that you brought up. Although I feel like I have to, cause I have a 17 year old. My dad was exactly that. He was like the, cause I said so person for everything, it, big or small, cause I said so. So it scarred me so much as a child that I said, when I have a child, I'm never going to be that parent. No matter what, I'm never going to have those, that sentence come out of my mouth. It lasted for 14 years. That's literally everything I say now is because I said so. Everything. Because it's a circular argument. Everything is like, what, what? And he wants, I don't have time to have an hour long conversation of why I'm asking you to do these things anymore. So it worked for 14 years. Good luck, ladies. I wish you the best. When he's 14 or they are 14, good luck. I have to just chime in because like Jen and you both kind of synthesize what I was thinking, which is like when I was a, I was a super duper rebellious teen because I always got no, like I always just got the like, the answer is no, the answer is no. And so like one of the things that I've noticed that I do that I have to like reevaluate is so often I'm saying no, but I'm like, why am I saying no? Like, why am I saying no? Like sometimes I don't even know why I'm saying no. Cause like, like a perfect example is like, you know, the other day it's like raining and the kids are outside and Fenno goes to like jump in a puddle and the baby's jumping in puddles and they're throwing mud. And I'm like, no, stop. And I'm like, who cares? Like, am I saying no? I'm saying no. Cause what it's inconvenient for me that they're going to get 
muddy and then whatever, I'm going to have to like wipe it off. But like, I'm so used to just, and I think that like, that's something I have to watch because I'm like, look what happens when I just got told no all the time. And, and I, and the whole reason I rebelled is because I was like, well, that no doesn't make any sense to me. So, you know, so it's like an interesting balance you have to strike as a parent between like both explaining and then also why am I even, why am I saying it? Soraya, what did, what what do you think on your side to change it a little bit? How do you feel like you want to see that going forward? Uh, being empathetic and being kind and loving to people in all types of humans. Like I am able to do what I do with my on-camera hosting career because I'm not afraid to talk to people as you guys have already noticed. <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely, that's very important for me. Respect, love, love, kindness, empathy, um, just heart, you know, I, I was raised with heart, no matter what, heart and communication, those are key for me. Um, my biggest point for my children, I like to remind them that we're not sure what goes on at everybody else's houses. And that's why it's important to be kind. If you see somebody that looks like they might be having a bad day, to maybe go out of your way to, you know, include them, play with them, be nice to them because you don't know what happened Maybe they had a bad day at home. Just to remind them that like outside our bubble, everybody else might not be in such a great place that day and everybody has bad days. So that's what I try. I'm really sorry. Girl, you're the last, we are the last people you have to apologize to. It's all good, baby, baby. Um, oh. so, guys, any last words, anything that you can give our listeners as they're listening in on motherhood, maybe it's advice for the mothers that are already out there, maybe it's the moms-to-be, um, even the caregivers, you know, Soraya, you touched on a couple great points throughout this conversation. Any last-minute advice that you guys wanted to, to give to our listeners? Corey. Yeah, Corey. Yes, just do your best, okay? There is not a right way of momming or parenting as much advice as you get do what works for you and just do your best yes and off that tell people they're doing a great job yes nothing <laughs> better than hearing from some other mom in the parking lot at the preschool at 8 30 who's also like maybe not put together ask them how are you doing not how's your newborn baby the baby's fine like they're all good how are you doing how are you feeling you're doing a great job we're all in the boat together yeah, I would say, you know, I'm a doula too. Um, and so I see what it's like to become a parent in like literally the moment it happens. And that, you know, mothering is like a team sport. It's like that corny phrase, it takes a village, but it, ta it takes several villages, you know? Like the best thing you can do for any mom you know is to send some love and support her way because she needs it. Yeah, it's just, for me, Google's like a best friend. I have a lot of questions. So I do research, like, I'm not going to know everything in the book. This is my firstborn equivalent, right? So it's like, I'm trialing and erroring everything. <laughs> so should she have this or not after having this cough, you know? So it's just the trial and error and it's okay to make mistakes and it's forgive yourself. Forgiveness is very tough when you're in this path and journey of just caretaking in general, mothering, caretaking, parenting. You, you take it to the heart and soul. like it's hard to forgive yourself sometimes when you mess up, yeah. but we are our biggest judges. I mean, and we we're very harsh on ourselves and you can do it. You can do it is my biggest like thing. I want to just add 
I'm not a mom, obviously, I'm a parent. But what I wanted to say as an outsider to to all of you on, on this call, one thing that I learned many years later, I lost my mom a long time ago. Um, so one thing I learned many years later was the moments that I cherished with my mom were the moments that I saw her being a person, right? So when I was at a wedding and she was just having fun dancing, she was always the one who joked around. And like she, when we were making toasts at restaurants, she would literally throw toast around the table. So what I would say to you is those moments that you're at a party and you're so worried about picking up that one-year-old or that two-year-old, let them be. And then you have fun because your kids will see that and they'll understand to be better people by watching you engage and the people around you. Uh, those are my favorite memories of my mom. And those are the memories that I hope you give to your children. I think it's really important. So, And happy Mother's Day to everyone watching and listening because you guys are superheroes and it's not a mom as in like a female. There are men who are the mom role and wow, you guys are, wow, <laughs> powerful. It's time. It is you know time. what time it is? It's time for the death sentence. <laughs> Let's do it, Jen. Let's kill another English problem. So in the spirit of our motherhood episode, our pride episode. Our coronavirus motherhood episode. What's stepping up in the world? Virtual. Mm-mm-mm. Given that we spoke to some great caregivers, nurturers, we wanted to just look at a certain word that puts mothers into an interesting predicament, right? And I say predicament in the sense of when you go around the table and say, hey, what do you do for a living? What do you do for a living? I'm a lawyer, I'm, I'm a this, I'm an accountant. And when someone says, I'm a stay-at-home mom, I'm Or like, they'll say, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Even worse, yep. right? I'm like, Oh, hell's the no. First of all, number one, being a mother in general is a hard job because guess what? You ain't got no nine to five, sweetie. You are on the job at all times. That is equivalent to putting the hours of a doctor or a lawyer. You're putting in crazy hours. And guess what? You don't get paid for it. At and also, all. The, the skills you're putting in are, are so across the spectrum so you're cooking Correct. you're cleaning you're managing time you're managing people you're you're teaching lessons so there's so many different occupations so to speak that are balled into one that somebody is having to do it and on top of it when you add just to it nobody says oh i'm just uh, an accountant or i'm just a sanitation worker or i'm just a school teacher because it's something you went to school for right so as you're growing up there's this level of both for men and women, when you have children, right? You 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 look at these children and when they do good in school and they get good grades, you it doesn't matter if they're a boy or girl, right? You you celebrate right. their good grades. They go to college, you celebrate their achievements. They get a job, you celebrate their achievements. A lot of these mothers who have went through these stages could have PhDs, could have double degrees, could have insane they were a vice president of a company. But you know That's what, what they've they, they've chose a different path at this moment to raise their children and become a mom, right? So when right. you say that they're just a mom, you're not only are you degrading the role of mother, but you're also devaluing everything that person has built up to that point in their own personality and saying that you're now just something else. Oh, you used to be a vice president, but you're just a mom. Like hell to the fucking no. Like, no, and so, a stay-at-home mom in general, it's just like you pretend it connotes that you're not doing a job, right? 
I'm yeah. just a stay-at-home mom. You're doing a job, to your point. You are you are having so many roles, even just throughout your entire day, and it does not stop. Hold on. In the era of coronavirus, to all y'all motherfucking guys out there, right? Mm. Who are now having to live your lives as a stay-at-home parent, right? So now you're realizing what it entails, right? Because now you have to not only juggle your day-to-day, nine-to-five through a Zoom call or through an online, but now you have to be a parent. And you, there's no right. more excuses. So stop the BS. And now that you hopefully value the role that your wife, your spouse... Your partner. Exactly. And in the spirit of this episode, we are going to kill two words. I'm just a mom and stay-at-home mom. You're done. We don't want to hear from you anymore. We're going to kill you off. You're dead to us. We don't want to hear your freaking phrase come out of anyone's mouth, especially a mother's mouth, because you know what? Every day you show up to the job and you can never call in sick. You are doing everything in your power to raise your kids to be decent human beings. And that, my friend, is the number one job and the most thankless job on the planet of Earth. So, in salute to our mothers, stay-at-home moms, just a mom, the words are banished. Killed. From this day forward, you're known as mom. Mom. With a capital M and a capital O and a capital M. With three yep. exclamation points. And upside down, <laughs> that shit says wow. Oh! If I had a mic, I'd drop that shit right now. Oh, fire. More fire, more fire. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're only half Jamaican. Relax over there, okay? Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right? Hey now, hey now. Liquid means forward. Gunshot means rewind. More (laughs) fire, more fire. I didn't take digs at your Cuban side. I know, but I'm only half Cuban. Exactly. Hey, guys. Welcome back. It is your ground down guided meditation. In celebration of all the mothers and the caregivers around the world. Mother has so many different synonyms to it. Nurturer, wisdom giver, challenger, medic, cheerleader, provider. So for this Mother's Day, I wanted to host a special gratitude meditation. So sit up nice and tall and close your eyes. Place one hand on the belly, one hand on your heart. And as you're taking deep inhales and deep exhales, maybe you start to think about and reflect on the mothers and the caregivers that you know in your life. Maybe it's your own parent. Maybe it's your friends. And as you're taking deep inhales and deep exhales, maybe you honor that these people, these women, or these people these providers, these nurturers are giving unconditional love that was bestowed on their children when they first glanced at them. As you're breathing into this space, breathing in the honoring and the support of the wisdom in which each caregiver and each mother has given to you that has helped to sustain your sense of self. Maybe that's helped to challenge you. Or maybe it's just to get you on a different path, a path to your better potential. 
Mothers continue to show us how to be strong yet gentle, how to be secure yet nimble. So taking another deep inhale, deep exhale. Breathe in this moment of gratitude and show how thankful you are sending out loving kindness to all the caregivers and all the mothers out there. Saying to yourself and saying to them, I see you, I hear you, I respect you, I honor you, and today and every day, I celebrate you. Begin to deepen the breath in the body. Start to wiggle the fingers and the toes. And in your own time, open your eyes. I thank you all for joining me for this guided meditation. Have a wonderful day. And we'll see you back next week for episode number eight.